Hello and welcome to the Wabi Sabi series podcast, unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, a corporate exec turned author who has recently written a series of books about topics we don't often talk about. Things like death, grief, not having kids, and the unexplained power doctors often wield over us. Apparently, some of my books have made some people feel a little uncomfortable, but I felt that I wanted to have far more conversations around weird, wonderful, and sometimes taboo topics. So I reached out to some interesting people and asked them just one question. If there is one topic that you'd love society to talk more about, what would it be and why? And what they've shared with me has been amazing. So let's dive in and see where the conversation takes us. pressure on being exceptional and we can't by definition all be exceptional and there's nothing wrong with that. My guest today will be recognisable to many of you. For over 20 years Carolyn Miller has been working in the marketing and advertising industry and has been a strategist at multiple award-winning agencies. She's also a regular panellist on the highly popular ABC television program The Gruen Transfer. Carolyn has also featured as a contributor in the best-selling Gruen Transfer book, in addition to being on a variety of TV shows like Sunrise and The Today Show. Carolyn is a founding director of communications consultancy, The Honeycomb Effect, where her client base includes high-profile brands such as Nespresso, Yahoo, Pfizer, Lendlease, and the Australian Institute of Sport. Carolyn has a quick wit, is well-read and is not afraid to speak her mind. So it was not surprising that we hit it off immediately when we first met about this time last year. She's my kind of girl. Carolyn, it's awesome to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Alrighty, let's kick straight in. So if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? That you don't need to be particularly talented to be successful. Oh, I love that. (laughs) So... So I know that sounds slightly controversial. There were a few things that prompted this idea with me and and I was having kind of a think about some of the most successful people, you know, that we revered throughout time and a lot of them aren't necessarily talented at the thing they're they're famous for. So they certainly have other talents, but the thing that they actually get recognition for is not necessarily better than anybody else. Yeah, fantastic. I think it's a really interesting topic, actually, and something that we talk about often, especially in the world of influencers. Why are they famous and have 50,000 followers for doing not much? So uh, I think it's a great topic. So why, um, why are you so intrigued about this? Well, there's actually, I mean, I've always thought about this in several ways. So, for instance, I mean, one of the great examples of this would be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, that guy, there's no question that he's worked incredibly hard, uh, but he was also the highest paid actor in Hollywood at one point. And certainly, I don't think anyone would say he was the best actor in Hollywood at any point. In fact, the band can barely speak English, to be blunt, but he did an amazing job. So, this idea that, you know, you have to fine-tune the craft or, you know, really become the expert in the field in order to be the most successful isn't necessarily true. And it also comes back to this idea about how we define success as well. So do we define success as being the highest money earner in the industry or do we define it as the person with the greatest sense of craft, in which case you might look at someone like Daniel Day-Lewis and go, wow, that guy is spectacularly talented, you know, he's multi-award winning and he knows he's a fantastic actor, then he walked away from it to become a bootmaker. So, <laughs> you know, where do you kind of look at that? That's where success leads. Who knows? Yeah, and, maybe, and it's 
it's a really good point. I think that, like you say, it's actually those people often that become incredibly successful then, you know, shy away from their craft or turn their back on it to do something else that fills their soul. Well, yeah, and, I mean, one of the recent things I was watching with all the kind of political upheaval that we've been seeing out of the US, I went back and watched Obama's 2004 Democratic Convention speech, which is basically the speech that, that kind of really brought Obama to attention of both the Democrats and really on a global stage. And it's a fantastic speech. I, I would encourage anyone to have a look at it. And one of the things he also talks about in that, though, is or one of the key takeaways for me was this idea that you don't have to be rich in order to reach your potential. This is an idea that he had 16 years ago. And one of the things I'm concerned about now is whether or not that's still true. And I think there's, there's a lot of examples coming through, particularly even now with trends towards private schooling and parents going into a huge amount of debt in order to give their children, if you like, a, a, not even a head start, but just an equal playing field. I think that's a really dangerous space to get into. So this idea of being able to look at what is your actual talent versus what are you just building a career in and, and what is success to you? I think that they're really important questions that we need to ask ourselves because if you're chasing something that you will never achieve, it's only going to be detrimental to your mental health and your long-term well-being. Yeah, you're talking about kids and schools and, and doing stuff that you feel compelled to do. I think, you know, that's the um, age-old adage, isn't it, where we're uh, pressured as young kids to do something that our parents want us to do. I mean, the amount of stories that you hear still now with grown people people that are actually doing something finally in their life after one of their parents have passed away because they were never able to do that. And I was like, you're a grown man or you're a grown woman. Like, where did you not learn to actually have a crack and do something that you wanted to do that made you feel fulfilled rather than worrying about what everyone else thinks? It just, it's still, you know, I find that incredibly surprising. Well, I think it's, it's a very funny thing because we talk often about social mobility and I think that there's another element to that in that social mobility is often crafted by this idea about how you see potential and how you see a real earning capacity. And I am the child of public servants. So my mum was a public high school teacher and my stepfather also worked in the department of health and they kind of were angling me to go into the public service. And I would be a terrible public servant, number one. I, I, I already know that that would be, even as a teenager, I knew that would be a, not a great thing for me. I didn't deal well, particularly with authority in the school system. So I'm not going to be great at you know, just turning up, being told what to do and then going home. I just knew that that, that wasn't great for me. And also, though, my mum never stopped me from kind of exploring the advertising route. But it was a rebellious act in many ways because she didn't understand it. She didn't think that there's a real way to make money in it because she hadn't really been exposed to it. And, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where you're not just kind of battling against the competition in your own industry, you're kind of battling against the norms of what your family are. And another thing that I think was really kind of evidenced of this is I have never been particularly good at maths and science. And yet I have an elder sister who is very good at maths, you know, is an accountant or, you know, works in finance now. And um, my mum insisted that I do chemistry and three-unit maths and all this stuff for my HSE, and I'm just like, I'm not good at this. Let and what am I going to do with it? Like, it's not a, an area I want to pursue. But I think that's a good message for all those parents out there, right? As much as, you know, we want to, our kids to have the best chance in life and do 
you know, amazing things. And a lot of parents live vicariously through their children. Like we see that in, you know, all the, um, all the beautiful uh, reality TV shows that are on now about this stuff. But, um, I think it's a really good lesson to learn to say, actually, you know, your children are individuals too. And just because they are, you know, significantly younger, doesn't mean they have a definitive, you know, clear view about what they want to do in life. And I think our job is, you know, whether you are a parent directly or like I am a step parent or whether you're an aunt, uncle, godparent, you know, or even it's assisting uh, some of your mates' kids or whatever. I think instilling the confidence in them to pursue stuff that they they truly are um, passionate about, then I think your whole point is that you can make something out of nothing. You know, and that's what we were seeing over all these years, huh? Mega, mega famous people that have done nothing really in their lives. <laughs> Just they're famous because they're famous. Like it's crazy, right? Well, I mean, I think uh, Donald Trump has got to be one of the best examples of this. I mean, he rose to the top of the Republican Party without having ever worked in politics. The Republican Party didn't even like him. He just managed to do this through his charisma of speaking. And, I mean, his brand even arguably is a terrible brand. Like, he's put his name to a whole load of crap, you know, and essentially he's famous for being, you know, deciding whether or not, you know, some rock and roll star was going to be the manager of a fake company on a reality TV show. (laughs) So true. You're fired. (laughs) You're fired, yeah. Go David Lee Roth, whoever was on there, you know, it's crazy. But also, I mean, you look at the Kardashians and I, I personally think that, I mean, people talk about them that they're not talented, but I don't think you can stay famous for 15 years and make the money that they have without being talented at something. And they gave up a hell of a lot in order to be famous. I mean, they gave up so much of their own private lives. Um, In some cases, they gave up their childhoods. And, you know, that's a hell of a thing to go, yeah, I'm willing to do that just for, you know, money and fame. And I really think the talent that lies in, in that family, especially, is with Chris. So having the momager who is able to maximise every single one of her children and look at what you know they're able to do. And arguably, I think that Kylie probably would have been looking as being the black sheep of the family, if you like. Um, she had the elder sister, Kendall, who was clearly, you know, someone who could be a model. And then the, the other three old sisters who are already doing their fashion and their whatever else and there was almost a bit of a feeling of what's poor Kylie going to do and she's beat them all you know she's the most successful entrepreneur out of a lot of them with her cosmetic range so you know it just goes to show that even if you are perceivably talentless if you just get the right attitude and the right if you understand the zeitgeist and what's popular you can really make something of it and I think an Australian example of someone who's doing that really well at the moment is Tammy Hebrow so I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly but um, she's an influencer from the Gold Coast, who's another rounded bottom lady who is very good at kind of showing workout things and, you know, bikini shots and, you know, that sort of stuff. And she's making a huge amount of money. But one of the main things that she did, and I remember reading an interview, she said, I never wanted to be an endorser. If I was going to be promoting products, I wanted it to be my brand. And I thought that's clever. So that's someone who was willing not to look for the short-term gain of just being a face of something and just grabbing the money for that, but saying, I, I value my brand enough that I'm actually going to start building my own empire. And, and she's done that with her range of um, fitness clothing and, and things that she's got going on. So more power to her. Yeah, and I, but I think that it raises an interesting point when you're saying, like, she's very clear about what she wanted to do with that in her brand. And I think that probably is true as well for people that are, you know, rebelling against their families or what everyone else is telling them to do. You need to be incredibly clear about where you want to head. If it is kind of a little bit obscure, you might have a family of doctors and you want to be an artist, or you might have a family of, you know, artists and you want to be a doctor, for example. So, and I think 
for me around the success element, people think it comes easier or it's quick and overnight. And um, often you hear stories where people say, oh, they're an overnight success. And you talk to them, they're like, I've been slogging it out for 20 years. It's just, I just happen to get noticed now. So I think that's the other element of, you know, ensuring that if you're that passionate about it and you've got to pursue it and take the long yards, then you're likely to be successful, but it's not going to happen. It's not easy and it's not going to happen overnight. No, and actually I think that is the difference between very successful people and those who are not, is vision. Because a lot of people are just waiting for that big idea to come into their head or whatever, you know, may not come for you. And that's okay as well. I should also point out there is nothing wrong with being average because chances are that's what you are because that's, that's average. <laughs> 95% with of us are average, right? Exactly. <laughs> Let's put it out there. We're all in the bell curve. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I'm glad you've clarified that, Carolyn. That's good to know. Make everyone feel comfortable. Yeah, there's all this pressure on being exceptional and we can't, by definition, all be exceptional. And there's nothing wrong with that. And um, I can't remember exactly where I read this either, but I, I think it's a really good point is that to be a good leader, you have to understand what it is to follow someone as well. So, you know, have your time. And it's, you know, the, the benefits of being average, are, you know, there's a lot of them as well. You don't feel the pressure. You're not having <laughs> the late nights and waking up. You're able to just, you know, scurry away and do what you want to do in the background. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, I, I think the celebration of being average and normal is um, sometimes forgotten in our let's everyone be exceptional world. Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful point. And for someone that's continuously driven, as you know, I just opened my um, newest business last week, just another one. You never stop. <laughs> I'm my own worst nightmare. And, you know, people often ask my husband, like, how the hell do you live with it? <laughs> it's like I'm exhausting. <laughs> I do feel sorry for him. It's my mind never stops, but there are times where I wish that I could just just let it be. And, you know, it's that A type driven, like always being better. And I'm a curious soul. So that's never going to change as well. Right. I do think it's a really valid point to say we don't all have to be, you know, mega famous and mega rich. And we should rightly say we're not, we're not all going to be that. And to be content and to be happy. And sometimes those markers are definitely not right for everyone. If you have a topic burning inside you that you'd love to talk more about and have a conversation with me, I'd love to hear from you. So drop me a line at hello at wabisabiseries.com. Let's head back to the chat. I feel sometimes a sense of pressure that people have to be really successful really young as well and I think that's something that we've we've only really seen in the last 20 years where you you actually it's not just celebrities but you have company CEOs who are in their mid-30s you know and you kind of look at that going wow that's so fast to get to to that level what am I doing wrong and this idea of, of comparison is, is is a very challenging place to get into but uh, what I would say is that coming from an advertiser point of view and you know having worked in advertising for so long is that we are driven in our industry to tell people that they're not content, that your life will just be better if you have this. So actually, we're really constantly powering through this idea that, you know, your life should feel bad because you don't have this already. And this constant bombardment is problematic. I think that, you know, as much as I take accountability for the stuff that I've produced, the, the industry and just, you know, the, the way media works as a whole has a huge part to play in stopping people from just thinking I've got enough. That's really the, the secret to a happy life is to just be happy with where you are and what you've got. 
who you love. And don't you think that in the environment we're in right now and the year we've had, that that's changing? Or And I'd be interested actually to, in your view from an advertising aspect, like is it going to get tougher for, you know, advertisers to get that element through and a bit of a different, you know, attract us in different ways because our values and our lives have changed so much this year. I think this year has been the tonic that the society needed, to be honest. I think just as we had the recession we had to have back in 93, we had the, we had, had the, the disease we had to have in 2020. Jeez, there's a quote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the pandemic we had to have. But it really did. It stopped society. It stopped it dead. And it just basically said, hang on, everyone stay home. We need to look after each other. We need to look after ourselves. And there's nothing else that could have done that essentially. And I mean, even the fact that you're not going out and so you're not constantly thinking, oh, I need something new or I need to you know, look better or I need to do something else. What a fantastic break to have just to be a little bit more relaxed and just enjoy the people around you. And whilst I'm, I'm, I'm very sensitive that there's been a tough year for businesses and certainly for anyone who has lost a loved one, absolutely horrifying. I, and I fully, you know, that's not, that's not a laughing matter. But for the rest of us who may have been kind of operating at full tilt for too long, it was an excellent opportunity just to take a step back and, and start going, actually, you know what, I, I'm good at this. I can, I can be comfortable for the next few months with just my little home and my little life and, I, and I'm quite happy with that. And for me personally, I don't know about you, but one of the first things I did when the pandemic started coming in, rather than going and buying loads of toilet paper, I just did a stock take of what I had in my house. Just to see, just to make sure. And I realised I probably had maybe six months worth of food. <laughs> like, I thought, this is crazy. I'm shopping too much. I, don't, I do not need this level of stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I probably need to kind of calm down on, on how much I'm buying. And I'm, I'm as um, subject to any, you know, promotional things that go on as anyone else is. So, and I do find that, you know, even in a small household, if I see something that's, a, you know, a three-for-one offer, I'll buy three packs of it. Why would I do that now? And that's, it's been a fundamental behaviour change to actually go, mm, you know what, maybe not. It's good. I've got so many toiletries I've had for years that have just shit that I've been given and I just like go, I'm like slowly working through it. I'm determined I'm not going to buy another bottle of shampoo forever. It's like stop <laughs> buying them and stuff. Yeah, it's an interesting point though. I think, you know, just that recalibration, I think that's sort of what's been occurring, isn't it? And um, the consciousness has definitely risen, you know, for us all to think about, you know, our impact and, as you rightly say, our spending and, you know, all the crap we've got surrounding, you know, in our houses and around us. It's been an incredible awakening in that regard. It has. And, yeah, just on that still, though, I mean, there's just the idea that we're not having to go to work or into the office every day for many people. I think that that level of if you like isolation, while some people don't enjoy it very much, I also think that it relieves, again, a lot of pressure. So when you're not kind of having competition, if you like, around you as much, I do think that that does create a level of relaxation. And actually, one of the things I was thinking about as well, so I'm still watching a lot of this election coverage from, from the US purely because of how bonkers it is. And I was having to think about their election cycle versus ours. And, you know, we've got a one-month window to advertise in Australia. Thank God. I actually don't think I've ever really respected the Australian electoral system as much as I have after watching the last kind of four to eight years in the US. Uh, whereas the US have essentially a campaign cycle that seems to go for about 18 months. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. And I, 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 I would have to say that if you are watching a whole load of negative campaign ads, which is virtually what everything was this time, 
no wonder there's so, so much division. So if you're watching these ads and you have your side picked and all you're seeing is how shit the other side is, it doesn't surprise me in the least that there's no willingness to meet in the middle. And if you have that for 18 months, why are they surprised that their society is so divided? You know, I, I know that there's a whole load of stuff on the street as well, which is the police brutality, all of that. I realise that's, that's incredibly real. But if you can imagine us watching advertising constantly about the, how the other side is wrong and we're right, you're not going to start thinking about their point of view. Brainwashing you. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really interesting point. And so if we come back to your core underlying element about not needing talent to be successful, what are the core messages though you want to leave people with? Is it in terms of encouraging people, if you want to be a rock star and you can't play guitar, (laughs) what's the message that you want to uh, leave people with? If you want to be a rock star and you can't play guitar, play punk. I mean, fair play, Sex Pistols couldn't play their instruments. So, again, proof, you don't have to be an expert <laughs> Good to, be, to be successful. <laughs> Having said that, and also Britney Spears can't sing, very successful singer. So, yeah, there are ways around it, but you do have to have a talent. So while the Sex Pistols may not have been able to play their instruments, what they brought was attitude. So they had that in spades. So that's what they knew they brought to it and that's what they promoted. Britney Spears was really good dancer and looked great. So that's what her videos were. That's what her shows were, acrobatics, and she looks fantastic. And that's what sold her. So whilst you may be in a specific area or industry, for instance, if you are a fantastic scientist but you can't communicate your, your readings, know when to tap into other expertise to elevate what you're doing. And I think that that's really the point that I'm making with this is that no one does it in isolation, but you need to figure out where you need your help. So if your talent is in this area, fantastic. If your talent is the communication part of it, but actually, you know, on the, on the dotting the I's and crossing the T's, you're a bit crap, get the person who's good at that in the background. <laughs> you know, make sure that no one does it in isolation. You need your team and you need, you need the people in your team to be a balance to you. Beautiful. What a great way to wrap it up and uh, bring it full circle. So that's some um, interesting insights. I love the different elements that you've brought in as well, Carolyn, but making us all think about that. And um, there might be some interesting things that we want to pursue that we're not particularly talented at. <laughs> well, you know, Over the Christmas break. Thing, always have a crack. <laughs> yeah. well, that's have it. a crack. It can't hurt. Yeah, but well, I'm a big advocate for that, as you know. It's just like, uh, you know, and if I don't know anything, I'll ask, you know, I just kind of go, well, when you're talking about writing the books, I had no idea. I wasn't at at all a confident writer, but a reluctant writer, to be fair. And then I just asked my mates that were incredibly good writers, what advice would you give to someone like me? You know, and and if you don't know people in the field of something that you want to do, there's always stuff online that, you know, you can randomly, you know, DM someone, like people respond to everything, especially if it's like an influencer or, you know, particularly talented person that you can ask a question just put yourself out there and ask you can't hurt absolutely and i often get queries and things coming through sites like linkedin and you know you're always happy to help someone out if they're particularly if they're starting out in a business or just want some some advice it's no skin off my nose uh but yeah this has never been the the democratization of skill if you like has never been bigger so there's so many programs to assist you there's so many different networks that you can jump into and also even selling kind of your side talents there's so many different kind of opportunities to do that as well whether it's through freelancer.com or upwork and you know kind of doing your side hustle is actually 
actually is becoming more of the norm, which I think is a really exciting thing. Completely agree. And especially, you know, now people love that sort of more homegrown or made or, you know, they want to support the local kind of creators as well. So I agree with you. Huge opportunities. So, yeah, if you're looking and I think the timing now, you know, coming into the Christmas break where people get some downtime to think about things or you might have, you know, be changing jobs or looking at other stuff or you might have lost your job and you're like, I've always wanted to do this, but I've never been brave enough. Give it a crack, huh? That's your message. Give it a crack. Absolutely. (laughs) Beautiful. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Carolyn. It's been um, gorgeous to talk to you today. And um, I'm sure that we'll give lots of people plenty to think about. Excellent. Michelle, it is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me along. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, you'll find all the show notes and interesting links on our website, wabisabiseries.com. If you'd like to hear more unexpected conversations, please subscribe to the series, follow us on our socials, or grab one of my books. And if you're in a generous mood, I'd love you to share the episode, or maybe even rate, review, and comment on the series. It really does make a difference. Until next time, be sure to claim your own piece of wabi-sabi and walk proud in your perfect imperfection.